Thanks for listening to the Faith Radio podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. I'm Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoy. Happy Thanksgiving. And thanks for listening to this special Best of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. It's Thanksgiving Day. My guess is at this point, you are working diligently on whatever part of the Thanksgiving meal or Thanksgiving festivities or Friendsgiving meal you are going to be engaged in. Um, If you are hosting Thanksgiving for any number of people, you are probably thinking about setting the table and maybe finding an extra chair. I know that this year we are going to set a place that will be empty. Um, for my husband's brother, Joe. And so, you know, there's been an empty chair at our Thanksgiving table um, in terms of my family of origin since my dad died when I was 15. And so the empty chair at a table means a lot to us. Certainly historically, um, the Jewish people uh, have attended to an empty chair at their table in anticipation of the coming of Elijah. Um, And sometimes we think, you know, with deep grief about the empty chair at a table. But I want to redeem that today. I want to um, have the empty place set, and I want um, us to acknowledge the gift that Joe was to our lives and the reality that Joe now lives forever in heaven, that he is um, feasting with the Lord who is good, and that there is an empty chair right now, right now, with a place card for each one of us in the kingdom of heaven. And I want to be sure that the people with whom I gather for Thanksgiving here on earth are going to be sitting in those empty chairs one day in the kingdom of heaven. Like that is a conversation that each of us could have today about the chairs left empty here in the world by those who have gone before us and about the empty chairs in heaven. Like, do you, do you know that there's one set for you? I know that there's a seat for me um, at at the feast of the Lamb in the kingdom of God, at the wedding supper. Do you know that you have a seat there as well? I'd love for you to say yes to that reservation, to that opportunity, to that invitation of God to sit down and sup with him forever. It is Thanksgiving Day, and there is great cause to give thanks, but no greater cause to give thanks than for the kingdom reality into which we are invited by the good gift of God in Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Say yes to that invitation so that forever in the kingdom, there won't be an empty chair. All right, we're going to talk with Dave Haytag today about craftsmen of character. This is a conversation that I had with Dave a few weeks back, but we thoroughly enjoyed it and wanted to share it with you again on this Thanksgiving Day. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. kind of love that all these years can't wash away. Because the older that I get, I see the life short and bittersweet. 
Thank God for this Thanksgiving day. I'm smelling coffee, birds are singing just outside. Here comes your mercy streaming in with the morning light. Dave Haytag is back. If you did not hear my first conversation with Dave on his book, Good Work, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. Dave, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, good morning. Great to be here again. Thank you. I am so excited about Craftsman with Character. So the website is craftsmanwithcharacter.org. What is Craftsman with Character? I'm excited about it, too, so thanks for asking. Um, Craftsman with Character is a course that we developed. As you know, I own a gear shop, a 40-man gear shop, and we make gears for things all over the world. But I reached a crisis in 2010, like a lot of businesses have, especially in the trades and manufacturing. We don't have enough young people come into the trades to, to replace the aging demographic. Most shops, the ages are about in their 50s, mid-50s or so. So I'm looking at a crisis going, my gosh, I don't have enough young people. And my tech ed teacher in our local high school asked me to come over and say, hey, could you help us revive our, our machine shop and our welding shop? Now, I went into that shop, and the exact same machines that I ran back in the 70s were mothballed over in a corner. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, what's happening here? And as I was there, I had this epiphany that I'm looking around going, hold it. These kids were me. You know, these kids in the shop classes who often didn't do well in the, in the history and social studies and were often deemed not college material, um, those were me. So I, I had this idea of how do we help those kids get exposure to the world of manufacturing trades and all the different jobs out there. And we developed this course where we, we basically have the kids come into our shop, job shadow four days a week. And one day a week, I get them in a classroom and we basically deconstruct their worldview, help them figure out, you know, what do they believe? Why? What are their value systems? Um, what are they gifted at and how do they fit in the world? Okay. So I just love it. I'm, um, I'm scrolling around at craftsmanwithcharacter.org and I'm wondering to myself um, how this could be replicated in in other places and how people listening right now um, could think more creatively, maybe more broadly about meeting the needs in their own uh, in their own communities and industries. OK, so I'm going to put a shameless plug in for your book, because I don't know if your listeners realize what an awesome book you wrote back in 2017 called Speak the Truth. I was going through that again last night. And Carmen, do you remember this story? You were sitting in a coffee shop and you had a guy say, what's wrong with the world? You remember that? You oh, yeah. It? OK. Oh, yeah. And, and what was the first question that you asked that guy? Do you remember? What are, are you, you looking at? Maybe. Well, are you OK? Hmm. Because he said, what's wrong with the world and what's wrong with mm. us? And then you ask, are you okay? The kids today in our fragmented world, and that book that you wrote, I don't know if you had any idea it'd be so relevant as it is back then as it is now, but that's exactly the question that our kids are asking us today. Are we okay, right? Mm. So as, as business people and in, throughout our community, we have to look at these kids in high school that are living in this an absolutely chaotic world, and they want to know if they fit. They want to know if they have a place in the world. So as in business, we have this incredible opportunity. We have a whole staff of mentors, and I think every business does. We all have older people that work, learn life experiences. We've been beat up, wounded. Um, we've had a school of hard knocks. And those kids are looking for us for guidance and for affirmation. And so with our craftsman course, I'm looking to help replicate it in whatever community, in whatever high school, whatever 
charter school that we can because we got to give these kids a pathway not only to employment but to identity and that's why i'm excited about the craftsman course because it really gives them a christian worldview without using religious language because um, we're, we're even welcoming into public schools to teach this because too often character schools don't have time to teach it anymore so we have a we have an incredible opportunity i think with our young people today to really imprint upon them you know that they matter and that they're unique and they're they're god's creation they have a place all right, you just heard Dave Haytag um, acknowledge that he wants to replicate this. He wants to see this replicated. And so if you're saying to yourself, I want to see this in high schools in my community, I really encourage you to go to craftsmanwithcharacter.org. If you scroll down, there are places that you can not only learn more, but places where you can uh, connect. There's an online course. I mean, there's just there's a lot here. It's um, it's easy to navigate and um I don't just want you to learn more about it. I really want you to consider about strategically replicating this in your own community. We're going to talk, we're going to continue talking with Dave Haytag in just a moment from Edgerton Gear, author of Good Work, today discussing craftsmen with character. We'll be right back. Way down among Brazilians, coffee beans grow by the billions, so they've got to find those extra cups to fill. Continuing our conversation with Dave Haytag from Edgerton Gear. He's the author of Good Work. We have had that conversation uh, on a prior occasion. Encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast and check out the book. Today we're talking about Craftsman with Character. You can find it at craftsmanwithcharacter.org. It is an effort to mentor high school students. And so, Dave, let's talk about um, let's talk about the Craftsman Code. I liked sure. this uh, when I found it at uh, craftsmanwithcharacter.org. Tell me about the Craftsman the Craftsman's Code. So, it, the course is sixteen weeks long, and often these these students, you know, we we get some of the students that might be the at risk kids. They might be in an alternative program. They might be, you know, coming from broken homes and and having a lot of issues. So we're really trying to almost reprogram their their identity and and really give them a sense that they really do matter. So, so I the joy of getting them in a classroom for 16 weeks is really you know trying to press upon them you know who God created them to be, and part of that is you got to deconstruct their worldview a little bit. So the first thing that we teach them this is number one. I make them stand up and repeat this actually every week, but it says I am not the center of the universe. Now if you're a parent and you get a teenager to stand up and say that, that's like a, that's, there's nothing better, right? And then if you can get them to say, number two, I do not know everything nor nearly as much as I think I do. Um, it's just that awareness that, yeah, I'm not the center. I've got a lot to learn. I, I need to be teachable. But then we keep going down the list and we say, you know, there's dignity and purpose in knowing my trade, whatever that might be. And number four is the real impactful one especially with these lot, a lot of these kids who just don't feel that they have any role in this or any part to play in this world at all. And it's really a powerful, simple statement that we make the students repeat. And it's basically, the world needs me. And for a student to really internalize that the world needs me, really? I mean, that's when the lights just come on. And it takes a while for them to start to believe that. And then, you know, number five is a pay as reward for my efforts, but not my main motivation. And lastly, every person has unique gifts and talents. So if we can drill that down into students, by the end of that 16 weeks, they go, you know what? I do have a place in this world. And these are a lot of the kids that have have received the message over and over that they don't matter, they don't know where they fit in. And so we just see it a really as a transformative you know, experience for them. 
So, Dave, I want to address something with you that um, my guess is is going to irritate some people listening right now, but it's true, and therefore we should say it. Um, okay. <laughs> we have, as a culture, we have, as a culture, bought into the idea that every kid is supposed to go to a traditional four-year college, that every kid is supposed to do that, that that's the way um, that you sort of prove that you've um, that you've raised your kid right, right. is that they... You know, they graduate from high school and they go on to a four-year school um, and and then they do what? We're not so sure. But help us recognize the value of of trades. And yeah. that is a really now broad term. Um, you yeah. work in one that would be a traditional trade, but there are but- trades now that don't require a four-year college education um, you know, like, I don't know, those people that are like technicians on those giant windmills, like that's not a four-year degree, but that's a really good job. You know, I don't know, and this happens in the church too, right, Carmen, where we, we love hierarchies. We're like, if you're really serious about serving God, you're going to be, what, a, a, a pastor or a missionary. And we send this, we carry that same paradigm into our homes where some jobs are more important than others, some jobs are more valuable than others. But if we go back to the creation mandate all the way back in Genesis, the, you know, God calls us to create a civilization. Every single job is desperately needed and important. I, you know, one of the positive things of COVID is that we're all asking the question, what's essential? Well, you know what? When, when uh, everything starts shut down as machinists, we're going, well, we're essential. You know, who's going to make the toilet paper? <laughs> who's going to mm-hmm. drive the trucks? Who's going to help with the medical supplies? Who's going to deliver the food and grow the food? Uh, all those jobs. And so I think in our culture, we have to get rid of this mentality that white-collar jobs or college degrees are more important because the sad reality is that, that the educational system is broke. We get kids to graduate four-year colleges with massive amounts of debt, and yet within the trades, you can get an apprenticeship. You can be making money right away. You can get on with your life and do something really meaningful and purposeful and not be saddled with all that debt at the same time. So I I absolutely love the trades because I see so many so many young people that they they're they're meant to work with their hands. That's how they express themselves. That's how their godness, that God spark comes out. And that's how they express their creativity and who they are. And we really need to affirm those people because the trades, manufacturing, all those different jobs have been way overlooked and taken for granted for way too long. Oh, there are people cheering right now. I can hear them. I mean, I know we can't hear them, hear them, but I can hear them um, because we have a lot of truck drivers listening to the program. We have a lot of people who work in um, in manufacturing. We have uh, folks who work in construction. Um, well, praise God on and on for and on. every one of them. Yeah, praise yeah, God for every we, one of them. Yeah. We, also, we also have people listening right now who are saying, what might this look like at the... Um, at the level of a Christian college or university, what might it look like for an existing institution to develop um, some kind of track that is is short, is apprentice uh, designed, um, but where uh, the guys who are in your program, um, yep. you know, could get a couple of years of Christian college education in addition to getting what they're getting um apprenticing through through what you're doing so i just think that there are people with a heart for this and a vision for this um not only at high schools across the country but potentially at christian colleges and universities as well becky uh becky who's listening says i'm cheering so there you go becky we hear you we see you thank you for texting that in um dave um invite people again to 
to mentor someone who's younger because this is life on life discipleship. I mean, what you're talking about is sort of the discipleship model in the Bible anyway. And the part that you're adding is the vocational component. So Jesus's last words that we all quote out of Matthew, go forth and what make disciples as a tradesman. I, I interpret that he's saying, go out and make apprentices, right? Mm -hmm. And every one of us has life experiences that we can share and pass on to our young people. And, and even in our shop, I got, I got older guys like, well, I don't have anything to offer to young people. Yes, you do. You have an entire life of experience, good stuff, bad stuff, mistakes you've made. When we hook up our young people with some of our older mentors, some of them, some of the mentors say, I don't have anything to offer. They're often the kid's favorite person because they're broken and they're making mistakes and they see themselves in these older guys and older guys see themselves in the kids. And as we get older, I'm 58. One of the biggest gifts and things that I, I want to do in my life is to have a legacy of, of passing my my experience and on to somebody else. So, and, and I, I think our, as I said earlier, our young people are crying out for somebody to take an interest in them and be their friend and and really give them some guidance. In my lifetime, I've never seen our culture so chaotic. And again, I think these kids are crying out, asking, "Am I okay?" And it's our job as older people to say, "Yeah, you are you're unique." God created you to have a special place in this world, and let me help you get there. Amen. That's Dave Haytag. You can connect with him on all the socials. You can also find him at Edgerton Gear. His book is Good Work. Uh, the website we really want to encourage you to check out today to learn more about this topic is craftsmanwithcharacter.org. Dave, thank you, as always. Bless you, man. Carmen, thank you so much. Bless you, too. Thanks. We'll be right back. All right, next up, we're going to talk with Frank Viola. The book is Hang On, Let Go, and we've got copies to give away. So that makes it fun on this Thanksgiving Day. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Enter the drawing for the copies of Frank Viola's Hang On, Let Go. We have to give away today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Frank Viola is here. He's a best-selling author. He's a conference speaker. His mission is to help serious followers of Jesus know their Lord more deeply so that we can experience real transformation and make a lasting impact. He's written over 30 books. You might remember uh, him joining us for a conversation about insurgents, reclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. He's here today to talk about his newest book, Hang On, Let Go, and you can find it at Hang On, Let Go dot com hang on let go dot com frank welcome back hey great to be on carmen thanks for having me absolutely so let's just talk about you know the current context in which we're all living and the trials that people are facing i'm describing it as you know we're being barraged it's like the waves are coming very quick and very close together so talk about the variety of trials that you're seeking to address in hang on let's go Wow. Great question. I'm glad you asked that because just over the last three weeks, I have been reading my social media feed and here are just some of the things that people are dealing with. 
I have a loved one in the hospital with the virus. I'm not sure they're going to make it. Another friend says, my boyfriend says he needs space. I am devastated. We've been together for three years. Another one says, my marriage is over. My spouse just told me they want a divorce. Another one says, our daughter is hooked on drugs and we don't know what to do. Another says, I'm tired of being alone. Will I ever find somebody? Another says, I had to cancel my subscription to your network because I've been out of work. I don't know what the future holds. And then another one says, I have a family member who's mentally ill and suicidal. I tell you what, this is what people are dealing with, either relational crisis, health crisis, and or financial crisis. And my book, Hang On, Let Go, was written for such a time as this. It navigates God's people on how to survive the worst that life can throw at us and also even how to thrive through it. And just from the early reports from the book, the testimonials, people's lives are being altered by it. And I'm humbled and grateful that this is happening. Yeah. And let's talk about the basis of, uh, of how we change um, in relationship to our trials. And it's really based on our relationship with God. Like the, the only way to change my perspective on the trials and to change for me to be changed in the midst of the trials is for my relationship with God to become that which is most amplified. Yeah, that's correct. See, trials and crisis tend to do one of two things. They either drive a person further away from the Lord, and that's when a person basically does not run to Christ (laughs) in the midst of their trial. They run away from him, or they blame him, and they hand the Lord divorce papers, all right? Or the other way it works is it drives us closer to him and exposes areas in our life to which we have been blind. And it gives God um, what he's been looking for, an inroad to transform us into version 2.0 of ourselves. And throughout the book, I'm very practical on how that process works and how we could leverage, I'll use that term, leverage a trial, a crisis, not waste it, because we can waste our trials, but leverage it so that God gets glory and it is for our benefit and for our gain. And uh, that's, that's what's happening with, uh, with early readers of the book so far. It's just remarkable. Hang on, let's go. Uh, Hang on, let go is the book. Um, Frank Viola is the author. Um, you can find Frank and the book at hangonletgo.com. There's some downloadable resources there for you, a little taste and see um, on this Tuesday. You can uh, you can try it out. Um, Frank, let's talk about maybe how we define trial and the stages of trial um, and how not to waste a trial. Like, right, we we know not to waste an opportunity. Um, we've heard, you know, no tri- no uh, crisis should be wasted, but the context of that is often not um, spiritual. So talk <laughs> right. with us about that. Yeah, well, you know, we can waste a trial um, and a crisis by not leveraging it uh, for transformation and to draw us closer to the Lord. Um, What God is aiming for in all of our trials is to demonstrate, number one, his power, which increases our faith, but also to change us. Now, 
here's here's some of the things that um, in answer to your question that we could blow it and waste a crisis. One of them is to become a victim rather than a student. Now, victim blames God. A victim, you know, basically lives in self-pity. Uh, a victim blames others where a student says, what can I learn from this trial? <laughs> uh, a student says, how can I leverage this trial to learn more about my Lord and draw closer to him and expose areas of my life to which I've been blind to a radical change? So we, we can blow it by becoming a victim. We can also give in to the temptations of the enemy. And one of them is basically to doubt the goodness of God. Now, that's easy to do when you're going through the fire. And this is why we need perspective, all right? And that's what my book does. It gives Christians a different perspective so they, they can see a crisis and a trial as a God-given opportunity to teach us something new about Jesus Christ and about ourselves. Uh, Lori is communicating with us right now, Frank. She says, this is all so true. My divorce drove me closer to Jesus, and I'm actually grateful for that. God does not waste anything that we go through. Um, she then you know, talks about how that led her to the opportunity to lead a divorce uh, care group at her church, help others walk through the trial that she had also experienced, seeing God working all things together for good, even something that obviously she did not welcome in her own life. So, um, yes, uh, folks are getting it, and uh, we want you to understand what we're talking about. If this is not your perspective on the trials that you have faced or are facing now, we want to invite you uh, to change your perspective. Frank walks you through how to do that step-by-step. The book is Hang On, Let Go. You can find it at hangonletgo.com. We'll be right back. It's like the bright sunrise Waiting on the other side On the darkest night Don't ever lose hope Alright, talking with Frank Viola You can find what we're talking about at HangOnLetGo.com It is Frank's newest book um, Frank, let's talk about what you mean by Limbo Land What and where is Limbo Land? Yes, Limbo Land This is the the period of suspended animation where you are stuck um, not knowing the outcome of your situation okay so for example you have a loved one in the hospital you don't know if they're going to make it or not you're in limbo um, you have a boyfriend who says i want space and uh and you stop seeing them uh you have a husband or a wife that says i want a separation uh, you have a child who has left home, can't find them. Maybe they're on drugs or worse. Um, and limbo is, is this, this very anxious ridden space where we don't know what the outcome is going to be. It's sort of like having a loved one in a coma and the doctors have no idea if they're going to come out of it or if they're just going to slip into eternity. Um, it's a very, very difficult place to be. And so I talk about what um, you can do when you're in limbo land and how to ward off the anxiety. One of the things I, I do in the book, Carmen, is I get very candid about an anxiety problem that I never knew I had until the Lord threw me, th threw me into or allowed me to go through some trials that amplified that and I was able to see it. And so in the book, I teach 
how you can overcome anxiety. You don't have to be anxious. You don't have to be fearful. As a child of God, you can go through limbo land in a calm, relaxed, confident uh, posture and, uh, and watch God work. Um, part of this is learning how to be outcome independent. It's where you get to the place where you say, Lord, this is what I want. Um, this is the outcome I desire. But even if it doesn't happen, I'm going to be okay because you're going to turn these uh, jagged edges into straight lines and you're going to bring good out of it. And, uh, and that's what the Lord seeks to do in every single trial. But we have to let go first of uh, the outcome that we want as well as uh, hang on to the Lord and his promises. And that's what the book teaches you how to do. It's that tension between hanging on and letting go. So some of us, um, like that has been our experience of discipleship from the earliest of days. And and so I always find it curious when this is such a mystery to people. And yet I then I get it. Most people I meet, this is a mystery to them because their discipleship wasn't sort of born in this. Um, my experience of being a disciple of Jesus was born in the midst of uh, of crisis. Like my dad died when I was 15 and I came really quickly into the conversation about who is God and is he good? And, you know, uh, what the hell is going on? Does he really hold it all in his hands? Does he love me? Um, and so I have from that point forward, you know, having accepted the goodness of his grace and the providence of his care and the certainty of his sovereignty, like I, it's all in his hands and I'm all in. So I don't experience um, trials as anything other than part of the expected order of a fallen and broken world that God is, um, has ultimately redeemed and is busy redeeming in the meantime. And the meantime is frankly often very mean. So like I, so I love this approach to the conversation um, and I get it. And I, this is where I live. This is a space I personally inhabit. And I'm always kind of surprised that there are Christians who, they don't already know this. And so talk about that. Talk about the fact that this book is for Christians who don't know that trials is discipleship. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think on one level, you know, many of the Lord's people, if, been, if they've been taught correctly, understand that, you know, God uses pain and suffering for transformation and endurance, all, all things like that. I mean, it's all over the New Testament. Um, but but when you're actually going through something that blindsides you, you know, and you say, this is not the way life's supposed to be, you know, this this wasn't supposed to happen. And uh, and the pain is just off the Richter scale. That's where our thinking, you know, starts to really um, move into some dark areas and we get tempted to start to doubt the Lord. And we attempted to, to take things in our own hands and try to fix it. Mm -hmm. That's one of the mm -hmm. things the Lord wants us to do with some situations is to remove the fix it gear, uh, <laughs> that we're so prone to, to move into. And, uh, so, you know, even for myself, I mean, I, 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 I could teach about trials and the suffering of the cross and believers life for many years, but until I went through certain trials, um, boy, there was so much for me to learn that I had no idea uh, about. 
and so I put it all in that book, uh, especially the stuff about mountain lion energy that I talk about, about being outcome independent. Um, all of us have to face our own Gethsemane when we go through trials and crisis. Um, and, you know, that wasn't just for Jesus. It's for every believer. Um, and what Jesus had to do in Gethsemane is he had to hang on to his father on the one hand, but he had to surrender what he wanted. He had to surrender life as he desired it. Uh, and, uh, and so he faced that Gethsemane. And so all of us have to as well in our yeah, life. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Hey, I want you to, since you teed those up, um, what is outcome independence and what is mountain lion energy? Mountain lion energy is, I use the, the metaphor of the mountain lion. You know, mountain lion, they are extremely calm, very powerful, but relaxed in all situations, very confident, but very aware, not aloof. Uh, their heart rate runs at about 40, <laughs> 40 uh, beats per second. You know, they are not anxious creatures. And uh, I think when we look at Jesus Christ, we see the attributes of mountain lion energy in him. One of the things about Jesus that's so arresting is that he was calm in just about every situation. And even when he did get passionate, like when he overthrew the tables, it was under control. It was passion under control. But he was confident. He was calm. He was relaxed. I mean, he, he was so relaxed. He had so much peace in his heart that he could sleep during a torrential storm that was overtaking a little boat. And the disciples thought they were going to die. Here he is sleeping. That's mountain lion energy. And it's available for all Christians. And if you're going through any kind of crisis, it's, it is something you want to move into because if you don't, your anxious energy is going to make the crisis worse. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's contagious. Bo both. The anxious energy is contagious. The mountain lion energy is contagious. And we do mm -hmm. affect those around us as well. All right. How about outcome independence? Outcome independence basically is the attitude and posture of detaching from the outcome. All right. Uh, so you have a loved one in the hospital in a coma. Let's just use that as a metaphor. You can put, put any crisis, in, you know, using this particular metaphor. All right. Basically, we want the person to, to come out of it, right? We love them. We don't want to lose them. We can't imagine life without them. And just the thought of that makes us incredibly anxious and fearful. Outcome independence is to get to the place where you're okay even if they slip into eternity, that you're going to be all right. You know, God is going to take care of you. You know that he is going to uh, establish you and you can have peace throughout that ordeal. Now, it sounds impossible, uh, especially when you're going through the situation. But I say to all Christians, outcome independence is a possible posture. And so is mountain lion energy. And in the book, I get down into the weeds on how to actually pull it off and how to actually move into that. But one of the causes of so much anxiety and fear is that we're dependent on the outcome. You know, mm -hmm. we, we're outcome dependent. And what that does actually, it ruins a lot of relationships, um, whether with family members or friends or coworkers, when we're outcome dependent, there is an energy that comes from us that repulses and pushes people away. Outcome independence is that it's like the, he, the three Hebrew boys. King, we're not going to bow down. 
God is going to deliver us from this fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. That's outcome independence. Even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't. Amen. All right, Frank, um, as always, uh, thank you so much. That's Frank Viola. You can find him and the book, Hang On, Let Go, with some free downloadable resources today at hangonletgo.com. Frank, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. What a blessing. We'll be right back. All right. On this Thanksgiving Day, I'm hoping that you are not only going to have an opportunity to sit down at some version of a feast, a table of abundance, a table where the harvest is celebrated. I also hope maybe it's an opportunity for us to reflect on the harvest of the culture today. When you look around um, the culture, are we harvesting all of the fruit of the Spirit. Do you see a lot of abundant love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control in the culture today? Like, is that what we're harvesting? And if not, what would it look like today on this, you know, in this season of harvest, as we sit down and enjoy the abundance of our lives, what would it look like for us to till the soil of the conversations of the day and plant seeds of peace, and plant seeds of love, and replant some joy or some reconciliation in some relationships, that going forward, that in the years ahead, there might be a harvest of righteousness to the Lord our God. If you don't like what you're experiencing this year on Thanksgiving, plant something that you can cultivate next year. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Of these, we are supposed to be harvesting in an ever more abundant measure that the Lord our God might give thanks for us, even as we give thanks for him. I certainly give thanks for you on this Thanksgiving day. It's such a privilege to be with you in this journey of life. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God for the gift of this life and this technology and our time together here on Mornings with Carmen. Have a great day, and God bless.
I'm Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.